Welcome, everybody, to another episode of School with the Rock, a podcast about faith, culture, and evangelization. My name is Nick Sentovich, and I'm joined for another week with my co-host, Father Bobby Blood. Father Blood, what's up? Dude, just another great day. I, uh, I'm excited to connect with you. This past week, we didn't have an episode drop. Uh, both of us had a lot of uh, work stuff. And then I know what it, this is the finale for the season, isn't it? This is the season finale for season two. So then we'll have a couple weeks off, which is sad, but but we'll come back and uh, be better than ever, huh? I'm really excited for season three. I think it'll be great. Uh, and aren't you uh, doing some traveling this week? I am. I'm off to I'm off to Omaha for uh, a work conference that we've been working really hard on, and so I'm leaving tomorrow morning, bright and early, and uh, and then I'll be back uh, Tuesday night. So it'll be a quick trip, quick trip, but it should be. Are you, fun. are you going to have Runza for lunch? Have you heard of Runza? I, ha- I have heard of Runza, Nebraska. And, uh, I, you know, it's, it's definitely feels like a very like hearty Germanic kind of a dish. I do have to say about Nebraska though. I've only been there once been to Lincoln. And when I flew into Nebraska, I felt like I was flying in on a piece of graph paper. Like, it was like I was looking at a piece of graph paper flying down, like the lines, like the streets were so parallel and perfectly, you know, perpendicular, uh, you know, on the on the uh, other axis. It was very strange. You know, it's not like Illinois is like the rolling hills of Ireland, but like it's a lot hillier compared to Nebraska, which is so flat. And there's some change. You know, I lived there for, for four years. There's some change depending on what. Like I'm in, you know, Northwest Illinois. I'm in Southern Illinois. I'm on, I'm near Chicago, but in Nebraska, it's like, oh, I'm on I-80 still. Like it, do- it doesn't matter where you go; it's the same everything. Like, oh, I'm pretty sure they just copy and paste that cornfield a hundred times. Yeah, it's true. It's like it was. It's like the like the state was designed in like a like a like a computer program, like AutoCAD that <laughs> they were figuring it out. Yeah. Yeah, but it's gotta be nice to kind of to to get out and about after you know just kind of doing the same thing day in and day out with work, right? It's kind of exciting. It is a little bit exciting. And then on Friday, I'm gonna go uh, to Dubuque, Iowa, where my brother Tommy is uh, is is walking for graduation. He's already he's already received his diploma, but because of COVID, they postponed the graduation. And now we're gonna go down and celebrate that. And then Sunday. Uh, and Monday for Columbus Day, I'm going to go visit a, a friend, a priest friend in Springfield, Illinois. So, uh, should be should be I a fun uh, fun next seven days. That's awesome. I'm sure. Uh, I'm sure all those folks are excited to see you. You know, six foot away, masks, all that stuff. Right now, got to stay safe. That's right. People people like hanging out with me from six feet apart. I think people enjoy it more being farther away from me. From what I've I could I could see that COVID has really helped out your social life. Yeah, it has. People don't. People actually have an excuse for not wanting to come near me. Yeah. So what? Yeah. Uh, what you been up to? You 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 were telling me you're watching Cobra Kai. You're, you're yeah, a big 80s Cobra nostalgia Kai. guy. I love the eighties. Even though I didn't live in the eighties, I love eighties movies. Love eighties music. I don't know why I didn't watch this show before Cobra Kai. Man, it's like the sequel to the Karate Kid. Uh, but they have the flashbacks to the movies. They have the epic music. It's uh, it's just a great show. I actually finished it the two seasons uh, over the last week or two. Is, is like that scandalizing Mr. to you? I'm sure. Oh, good. I'm, I'm scandalized. I always just assumed priests priests were always working or praying. That's what I was. That's what I yeah. understood. 
Yeah, well, keep keep that in the forefront of your mind. That's all we do. Um, so does Mr. Miyagi's like nephew or something? It, is there any Mr. Miyagi uh, character? No. So Mr. Miyagi has since passed, both in real life and in in the story. Um, but the like the kid Larusso, the, the the Karate Kid, becomes like the Mr. Miyagi. Uh, but he kind of like calls on Miyagi's help. You know, he like looks at his picture to get like jazzed up about uh, the mission of uh, of that sort of karate. But just a great show. It's kind of nice to just enjoy something not mind numbing, but kind of mind numbing to just kind of enjoy uh, leisure. You know, what about the eighties? Do you respond to? You love wrestling. You love you know eighties. I don't know if you want to call it metal. Eighties classic rock. Now you're watching Cobra Kai. What is it about the 80s that's like, this was the era? You know, I'm nostalgic for this, even though you never, you know, you were born in the 80s. I, I think maybe it's like the confidence that people had in the 80s. Sometimes now we tiptoe around a lot of things. Maybe society's gotten a little more prim and proper. There's something raw about that decade where people were just right where they are. And I actually think that's a great transition for what we're talking about today. Uh, I thought we could talk a little about uh, how do we evangelize Catholics, right? JP2 always talks about the new evangelization. And I've, I've been thinking about that a lot, like, uh, especially now, right? So we have all this COVID stuff. So everybody's asking the big question, are they going to come back? When, when we're allowed to open our churches or have greater numbers, are people going to come back? And my question is, what are we going to do even if they do come back? Like, what are the ways by which we can actually evangelize and make our faith something like a lived reality. And I think part of it is like what with the 80s, like to be a little bit more raw when we talk about the faith. It doesn't have to have a pretty bow on it. We can just just go all in, you know? I uh, I totally agree. And, you know, I, I was reading last couple of days when I read the scripture, I've been reading this scene from Acts of the Apostles where Peter and, um, Peter and Paul uh, raised the healed this healed this crippled man and they're standing in front of this crowd that's kind of like indignant and peter i think gets up and is like hey everybody you saw us do this you know i'm paraphrasing here peter maybe peter said hey everybody uh hey everybody you know this guy whom you saw that's now healed there's only one person that that this is attributed to and it's to jesus and there's only one name that uh, is given to us under heaven by which we are saved. And that's Jesus. And then there's this next line that's something to the effect of, and people watched them and they looked at them and they saw that they were people that were hanging around Jesus and they saw their boldness, but that they were kind of uneducated, simple people, right? So then like Luke, you know, writing act kind of builds this little, like, little small argument like, you know, they have reasons to think against Peter and Paul. You know, what are the things we, we have to say against them? And then the next line is, but then they saw this man that was healed and they had nothing to say. And hmm. that, I think that's kind of to your boldness. It's like there's something very simple and very challenging. And that's there's only one name that's given to us in which we are saved. And that's the name of Jesus. And there's the simplicity of the power of God. And it can kind of leave us speechless and it can kind of challenge us because we want to be saved by our own merits. We want to be saved by our work, by, you know, whatever things that we're entertained by. But there's a simplicity in the fact that 
there's only one thing that's ultimately going to bring us happiness and joy. And it's, it's Jesus. And I feel like there's almost a false safety that we feel when we're in control. Like if I'm controlling a situation, even if I'm, I'm controlling my spiritual life, I'm safe. I'm going to be taken care of. Uh, and yet I think what the Acts of the Apostles is inviting us into is that radical realization that I'm only safe when I totally abandon myself to the will of God. There's no safety in us being in control because we're weak and wounded and we're going to mess everything up. And that sounds terrible, but we kind of do mess a lot of things up if we're going to try and do it without Jesus. But to realize like even without knowing what's going to happen, to, to breathe, to speak, to allow the name of Jesus to come across our lips. There's incredible power and confidence and 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 rest and peace and safety, all those things we desire. Uh, but it, it's wild to me to think about how simple that really is because we make everything so complicated. There's so many programmatic things that we try to do, and yet you look to the Acts of the Apostles, and I mean, these guys are the church. We're the church. They're the church. They saw Jesus. They knew his mission, and then they tried to imitate it. And it just looked like being present to those who were most in need and living out of that place of confidence. It's crazy. It is kind of crazy because um, the gospel was preached to very, very um, simple people. You know, Jesus was, you know, Jesus Jesus was a thorn to the educated, to the quote-unquote wise, to... The church, the churchmen of of his day, right? You know, a lot of the a lot of the Pharisees and scribes, right? But it was the people that were most in need, that were on the margins, that were you know, presumably quote unquote uneducated. Those are the people that understood the gospel, and and you know, that's not to say that the church's rich intellectual tradition is bad or it's not worth doing or like really good theology that can be complex and difficult is not a part of the gospel of the Christian tradition. I don't think that's what we're trying to say, but what we're, I think what we're trying to say is at, at Christianity's very core, right? It can be preached to everybody in, 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 in anyone. And that's the simple reality of, of Jesus who came to save us. And, and it's in his name that we have life. And so then the question is, okay, so that's kind of a complex reality or that's kind of a diagnosis of the situation. But but how how do we then preach that to to those that are um, are not evangelized but are but are Catholic in a certain sense right not in a certain sense they are Catholic but they haven't been really converted um, and I think one thing is to recognize what are the things about us as Americans that are barriers to knowing the love of God and to preaching His name and I think one of them is and I see this in myself all the time. And I think we've talked about this before, maybe early on in the podcast, is just the idea of self-reliance. And it's and it's a pervasive idea because it's it's everywhere. We live in a meritocratic society where we rise up in society based on our merits, based on how good we are. That's kind of the idea of Americanism, that if you work hard and you try hard enough and you use your intelligence, that you can rise to the top. And in Christianity, that's not the reality. It's not, it's not, it's not if if you if you pay enough to the church or if you pray hard enough or long enough or you do X, Y, and Z, then all of a sudden you're going to rise to the top. It's no. It's if we recognize that we aren't good enough for the Lord, 
um, that we aren't smart enough for the Lord or, or and, and we recognize that we fail. The Lord loves us anyways, and he calls us on to something greater, right? I guess, maybe let me clarify that. We are good enough for the Lord. The Lord is happy with us, but it's not that something we have to do to prove that that we are good enough for the Lord. And right there, even in, in the admittance of humility, to realize even we've been very blessed with our levels of education, I would say as an entire society, but maybe even more particularly you and I, it's easy to kind of rest on our own laurels to say that I've learned enough about the faith. I, I have a handle on what I should be doing. I'm fine. Uh, and, and again, it falls back on what we're saying with self-reliance. But uh, I think, especially in our daily examination of conscience, to realize that I don't know enough and my virtue is insufficient in some ways. Even if we're way ahead of the curve, even if let's say you're in the, the top 7% that we always talk about uh, in the church, right? You're 7% of your, volunteer, of your parish or volunteers or whatever. Even if you're there, to realize that the only reason you're there is because of the generosity of God. And I think, I think maybe that's our stumbling block in evangelizing those who are Catholic and maybe even attend Mass but haven't had a real life-changing encounter with Jesus, sometimes we can get in the way because um, we try and uh, speak out of our own knowledge and our own um, sort of idea of what the church should look like instead of maybe preaching about our own unworthiness uh, and how good and merciful the Lord's been to us in the midst of that. And it's such a, a fine line or a small distinction but I think we have to go to prayer in a daily way, sort of consistent way. We've talked about that a million times. But just to be honest about how generous the Lord's been to us, even in our own smallness. Uh, because that I think that's the most compelling thing. You look at Paul and Peter and, and the other apostles and, and how, uh, I don't know, unimpressive they were. Like Peter's a fisherman. Matthew's a dirt bad ta- dirt bad dirt bad ta- dirt bag tax collector. Uh, Paul was killing Christians, like all people that we wouldn't really put up on a pedestal. And yet Christ said, "But you're mine." Uh, and the same is true for each of us through a baptism, and then I think through continual conversion, that He just wants to claim us for His own and for His kingdom. But if we allow ourselves to be high and mighty because of what post we get to work at. Um, it gets in the way. We have to just kind of admit that, that we're just small and that's okay. Which again is a really, really difficult thing to do uh, admitting that we're small, but at the end of the day, right? What does it do? It invites us into freedom because we're not, we're not relying on ourselves and our own goodness in front of the Lord, but we recognize that he's loved us first and invited us into this relationship with him. Um, and yeah, so I, I think w- one thing we're talking about in terms of, you know, evangelization and, and how to evangelize is to talk about having gratitude daily in front of the Lord for all the good things that he has done to done for us. And I, and I think a second thing, and again, related to the scriptures is to, is to recognize that the scriptures are living, that the word is living, meaning the, the kind of exciting, 
almost adventurous stories of the scriptures, like the Acts of the Apostles, like a lot of the stories in the Old Testament, especially, that those have meaning and then they have relevance today, that that the workings of God uh, in these scriptures are not things of the past, right? Obviously, there are events that happened in the past or there are stories that were told in the past, but that these things that happened in the past have relevance for us today. And that the same Lord that that um, is working in these stories, in these scriptures, is is using these scriptures today to draw us closer to himself. And so that the stories of the Bible are our stories. It's not the story, it's not the story just for a book and that we put away, but it's a living story that we become a part of when we when we meditate on the scriptures and that when we learn more about um, the stories of the Bible. And I think, myself included, that's one of my biggest weaknesses in my own faith is that I really don't know the depths of the stories of the Bible really well, especially the Old Testament. And it's sort of like, these are my stories. This is part of my story and part of who I am as a Christian. Um, and I think that when we recognize how great that is, or, or if when we're invited into that reality, um, we can have a, a deeper, richer faith because we're encountering God through all of these uh, realities. And to have the confidence to say that Jesus can still do work today, I've reflected on that a lot. The 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 sort of boldness that we can have in prayer, like you see with the apostles, especially in the Gospels, how often they're just like shocked that it worked. Like even today's the, Saturday morning when we're recording this, the Gospel talked about how the uh, the disciples went out and and cast out demons in the name of Jesus. And they came back and they're like, holy smokes, it worked. Even them who saw the power of Christ alive were shocked. And so how much more are we hesitant to pray boldly for, for big things? Uh, that's one one thing I, I, I talked about this morning in my homily. I was just, there's so many things that can weigh us down. So many things that cause us to complain and, and we see the division and the frustration. And, and, and I get it. I understand the suffering of many. But there's something different about saying these were our stories, that this is my Christ, that this church is not dead, it's alive. And so if someone is sick to pray for healing, I, I had a lot of this in, in college seminary, just opportunities to, to pray boldly for things um, and to live out of that place that um, the Catholic faith is not just another denomination. It's not just another way to kind of find something to do on Sunday. It should be something where your life looks different. And I think about Paul, how often uh, he spoke boldly about his faith in Jesus Christ and and how he, he reminds us we need a reason for our hope. And I think looking at our own desire to, to be a witness to the others in the pew is to first just be honest about what the Lord has done in our own life to think about that. Like, you know, if I asked you the question, Nick, what has Jesus done for you in the last week? What's prayer been like? Could you have an answer? And I think the answer oftentimes is, is no, <laughs> that, that I live in a lot of, I think a lot of us live kind of unreflective lives where we're not considering daily the works of the Lord. And, it is, it is easy to go by and, and, and forget. And then what happens is, you know, not ironically, but, you know, it kind of makes sense is we question where the Lord is, right? 
Well, if we're not thinking daily about where he is in our lives and, and we and we go by and we go back, you know, we go weeks without thinking about it, we're going to start thinking, man, does the Lord love me? Is he is he here at all? Well, sometimes if we take a little bit of time and recognize the smallest thing in our life, like the smile that somebody gave us at work or the really delicious food dinner that we made, like that's an that's an invitation to the encounter of God who loves us in the smallest of ways. And if we allow ourselves to to live in those small joys, I think we can encounter the Lord more tangibly because we're allowing ourselves to be moved by the smallest things in our day. And I love the opportunity um, I've had to pray with other people, like one-on-one sort of opportunities to pray because you start to, you get to experience how they speak to the Lord. And maybe that's where we can learn how we also can speak to the Lord. Like I have a friend I pray with who, who always asks the question, where did Christ win victory for you in that? So let's say I'm struggling with feeling like I'm good, not good enough. Uh, I ask the question, where did Christ win the victory for that? And then take a moment to reflect back on the scriptures and see at what moment was Christ trying to provide for that difficulty or that need? And then to realize he did both in the gospels and then also in, in like a modern day moment where to ask the question, you know, where do you imagine you are right now? I remember once I was feeling like I was just kind of down uh, in a pit because things weren't going my way. And and they asked the question, where is Jesus right now? Is he in the pit with you? And I said, hmm, I feel like he's like up on top, like on top of the ridge. They asked me, you know, do you, um, do you want him to come down or do you want to go up on top of the, the ridge with him? And I said, no, I, I want him to come down into the pit with me. And it was just this beautiful moment of prayer um, in a way that I don't normally pray, sort of that imaginary sort of prayer um, that this friend of mine has has the boldness to talk about and, and to pray in that way. And I don't know, I just, I think it points to the power of, of the community we have of faith. Um, yeah, like in the Acts of the Apostles, but even now I just, I wish that we could equip the people of God with the confidence to know that they have something to offer the way that they've met Jesus, the way that they encounter him today. I just wish we could in some way draw out the things that maybe remain hidden in our private moments of, of encounter with Jesus and bring it to the rest of the body of Christ. I don't know. It's just a, it's a lot of thought in one spot, but just things I've been thinking about over the last few weeks. How do we do that though? Do you think, how do we like unearth those things that are, that are hidden? Because that, that can be difficult to do. And it can be kind of scary to think that there's things that are <laughs> that are a part of us that we're not thinking about, that we're not considering, or maybe that we don't want brought up, whether it's a hurt, whether mm-hmm. it's a frustration. Um, how, does, how, how, how do you do that? Um, you know, there's a million different ways to kind of continue to grow in this place. Uh, I think one is to find someone you can trust. For some people, that means finding a spiritual director, a, a priest, or, or someone to speak with. Other people, it's it's making a good and holy friend. I think uh, we've talked a lot about this in the past, like the power of having someone to confide in. Uh, but we have to find spaces to, to be totally honest, to speak without knowing what we're going to say next. I think so often we think about um, 
especially in religious settings, right? You're in a large group or a small group and they ask the question and you're just racking your brain to figure out what's the next thing I'm going to say. But there's something beautiful about being able to enter into a moment and just kind of roll and just be honest and let the words kind of flow out without overly thinking about everything. Uh, Because it's all in there, you know, the feelings and the thoughts and the desires, the heaviness and the hopes and the joys and the gifts and all these things are there. Um, But I think um, as ministers of the gospel, how do we invite people into that? Maybe first and foremost, encouragement. Uh, I think we talked about that with Father Warren a little bit, Uh, but being able to encourage them that this is a safe place. Um, One thing I've said to a lot of the ministries here at the parish is, I desire for this to be a home for you where you can, can rest your head. So sometimes it's just naming those realities that this is a home. The Lord cares for you. Uh, the Lord desires to hear all of it. Um, for me, a big place is the confessional, right? Inviting people uh, individually, like, hey, I'm going to confession. You want to come? Or now as a priest, being able to say, hey, I'm offering confessions. If anybody wants to come, you know, I'm, I'm just going to be outside in the parking lot. Um, but it's it's the power of that encouragement, power of the invitation, um, but with no agenda other than the fact that you love the other and desire for them to know that they're loved. Um, and it is, it's scary, but, but to, to, um, ask the Lord for the, the fortitude to continue to step forward, even when it gets scary, uh, realizing though, first and foremost, we don't have to do it on our own. So maybe if we could summarize for a second, we've been talking about, so ways to evangelize, um, already Catholic, uh, people, right? So one thing is what we've just been talking about encouragement kind of a gentle encouragement which gives hope um that that the lord is inviting them to a relationship second would be um the scriptures right an invitation to 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 read the scriptures and and to know and encounter god through them and then um the first thing we were talking about is kind of an examination of where the lord is um and recognize his work in our life um, and especially through gratitude. So, so gratitude, encouragement, and 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 the scriptures are three kind of ways that what we've been talking about is how can we, you know, bring people to the faith that are already there or already or hopefully will come back to mass. You know, what are ways to to draw them into a relationship with God and and the story of the scriptures? And it if you feel as if you haven't done those things successfully, or maybe those are things that are outside of your comfort zone, uh, it's the perfect time to start again. That's one thing that I, I always pray is that we never feel downcast because of yesterday, but instead hopeful because of today. Um, so looking at those, like delving deeper into the, our story of the scriptures or uh, maybe noticing and uh, the goodness of the people around us and encouraging them or um, taking the time to notice the, the goodness of God in our own life. Uh, today's the perfect time to start that and to start small. It, it's not like we go from zero to 60 in a, in a moment's notice, but it's just the, the faithfulness of saying today, I, I would like to live out the faith as if it's true. I want to live the faith as if Jesus is truly alive because he is, because frankly, that's what the world needs to see. The world is in desperate need of the Lord, in desperate need to see that there is something more. And that includes our brothers and sisters in the pews. 
so many of them, six days a week, maybe six and a half days a week, feel like everything's falling apart. But if they have the opportunity to see somebody who said yes to the Lord in these simple and edifying ways, that might be the little boost that they need uh, to take a step further. And I, I think that's what we're talking about. It's the long game. It's the daily choice. It's it's the the entering into the simple but yet beautiful reality of Christ in action on earth. So, boom. It's a it's a difficult reality, but it's a beautiful and and worth worthwhile activity. Um, but I think that's a, a great place for us to stop and and maybe just give us time to to reflect on these things because they play out different no matter where you know where you are in life, what your situation is. It might look different, but hopefully these things have, have given us a little something to work on and, and continuing to to allow heaven uh, to have a little foretaste on earth, you know? Love that. Love it, love it. Um I think this week, Father, you're uh, you're doing the recommendation. I am doing the recommendation. Um I think my recommendation this week is to take more pictures, but specifically take more pictures of your friends, of people. Uh, a pal of mine was doing that on social media, I noticed. They're just trying to, to be more intentional about taking pictures. Um, and I have, you know, Father Warren, a, a media guy, one thing he's always told me is if you're going someplace, um, take pictures of people. And I think one thing over the last few weeks I'm just realizing is like, I, in these unprecedented times, you see a lot less people, but there are these moments of encounter we get to have like your next week and a half or whatever with, with different friends to just capture moments of the people the Lord's given us. Um, so take more pictures. The iPhone, which the majority of people have, the camera is great. It takes great pictures, but just to capture that moment of joy that you see on a friend's face or, or some adventure you can have in it, you know, go back to our message, maybe help us in gratitude, but we just take more pictures of people. Taking more pictures. Wow. Yeah. You, um, would you ever like develop them at Walgreens or is that, is that such a thing of the past? Develop them at Walgreens. I was talking to uh, Amy Mullen's dad, Dan Young the other day. And he was telling me there used to be these little like tiny cylindrical shops that just felt like one person in it and you drove up and dropped the the film off and then you could go back like the next day or whatever and pick it up. Wow. I, uh, yeah. I just never, you know, it's amazing how much time uh, changes reality. It's so true. We, uh, we've <laughs> talking about that is it's kind of, it's kind of bizarre thinking about taking pictures and, yeah, going to Walgreens and then your mom would put them in like a scrapbook and, you know, there would be the date on the back of where you were and Nick, comma, age eight. And that stuff doesn't happen anymore. And, you know, on one hand, we because we have pictures on our phones, we have less stuff, right? You don't have a ton of, of scrapbooks. But on another hand, we don't we're not as good about cataloging things. And so it's harder to find an organized place of, you know what were we doing on this family vacation or, you know, like what are the six pictures from my, you know, 10th birthday party? Like we don't have that as much anymore. We just kind of dump them on Facebook or Instagram and, and, and don't think about them again. That's, that's, that's just, that's a very Nick rant, but I kind of, I don't want yeah, I have, I don't want to hijack your people. recommendation. No, I had a few people send me um, framed photographs from my ordination and first mass which I never would have done. And I'm so grateful. They sit on my desk and just remind me of that beautiful day. 
I've got the same pictures on, on my uh, my cloud, but I don't just go back and scroll through for funsies. So it's beautiful even just to take the time to, to make some prints and and to, to have these ones that, that remind us of, of the Lord's generosity to us. So I think you're dead on. There is something about actually having a physical photo that we could. That's a, a great second recommendation. Take pictures and then uh, print them or develop, you know go to Walgreens. Uh, you still can do that, but it's weird. It's it's definitely weird. Um, good, good Nick. Well, it's been a joy to connect with you. I hope you have an awesome trip, um, and uh, we'll come back together on the pod in a, in a couple weeks. Sounds good, Padre. Uh-huh.